Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's topic, Overcoming Trinity Pushback. Chapter 1, 101s are micromanaging. Here we go. I almost hate to talk about this particular topic because every time it comes up, and it comes up almost every single conference we do, right? It drives us crazy. And that's the whole thing. Like, what do we do when one of our directs comes up to us and resists one-on-ones because they are a form of, quote-unquote, micromanaging? Yeah. And for younger managers, they're like, well, I don't really, maybe I've never had a ma- micromanager or a manager, to, I mean, let alone a micromanager. And, and suddenly I'm a manager and I don't know what micromanaging is. I know it's bad. Everybody talks about it like it's bad, but what is it? And, you know, should I leave them out because they're worried that my process is going to be not helpful to them? And the answer is no, you can't, you can't leave them out of the process. Everybody gets one-on-ones. But look, it's a question we get so often we got to address it, right? So we have five points we want to make. The first one, guys, is that one-on-ones are not micromanagement. In fact, this may be the most ludicrous concept in the form of a question that we have to deal with. And we dealt with some pretty ludicrous stuff. Uh, the second thing is, surprisingly, even though one-on-ones have all kinds of benefits, we're not going to follow the standard guidance, and we're going to tell the person who asks that what they're suggesting is ludicrous. We're going to actually address the negative, usually standard guidances. When somebody challenges a good idea that you have by implying it's really bad, by by giving it a bad nickname or a bad name like micromanagement or saying you're crazy or something, you don't address their negative. But in this case, we're going to. Don't stoop to conquer to some to some extent. Exactly right, yeah. The next thing we're going to do is talk about what what a one-on-one is, which is necessary and reasonable communication. And the word communication is so valuable because there are very few people who are halfway intelligent who will say, oh, gosh, more communication between bosses and directs is really bad and you shouldn't do it. Then last two points, let's just address how little time we spend in one-on-ones. And a one-on-one will end up being 1% of someone's work week. And because it's 1% of their work week, it's also 1% of their year. The idea that you can make a managerial change that's only a 1% change and that people have a problem with it. Are you kidding? Yeah. I mean, are you kidding? Uh, no, <laughs> no, sorry. If it was a 30% change, maybe, but not 1%. And the last point we're going to make, uh, some of you may not choose to do it, but in fact, this is the best one, provided it's built on relationships, is to insist. To simply say, thank you for your input. I appreciate it. And this is what I'm going to start doing. And the simple way to think about that is, how many of you listening right now would say to your boss, if he said, hey, I'd like to talk to you once a week about how you're doing, performance, improvement, so on, how many of you would say to him, no, not going to do it? I think that's unprofessional, immaterial, unrelated to my work, and so we're not doing it. Good. It's like, wow, that goes back to the first point, which is ludicrous. (laughs) Well, okay, so let's talk about that. And you say that one-on-ones as a form of micromanagement, that statement is just is absolutely ludicrous. Is. And, 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 you know, you're, you're more direct than I am, uh, <laughs> but you know, I, I, you know, I'd say it's, it's stupid. It's, it's selfish. I mean, the idea that somebody would say that I take it as like the idea that like, you don't, I'm so good. You don't need to manage me. And that statement is okay. Know. But that's, but what you're saying, that's the way they would put it. You don't need to manage me. But what they're really saying by attacking the idea, and by the way, guys, as a general rule, attacking your boss's ideas is a bad idea. I mean, you can disagree, but you don't attack it by labeling it with a very strongly negatively associated word like micromanagement. That's like saying the boss wants to change the budget and you say, you know, I think you're insane. (laughs) Or, Or worse, I think you're a philanderer. Or... 
you know, you might be a pedophile. I mean, really? You're going to you're going to name call your boss because he or she wants to do something new? In calling it micromanagement, it is name calling, right? So let's, just, let's be clear about that. Yeah. But what you said was, I don't need to be managed. And I disagree. I think that a good percentage, 30, 40, maybe even half or more, but I'll be conservative, 30, 40, 50% of people who say it's micromanagement, they're not saying they don't need to be managed. They're actively telling you they don't want you to manage them. Now, look, guys. We'd all love a world where we ate bonbons all day and never gained weight and never had to go to work and never had to commute and never had to get on a subway and never had to get home late for a kid's ball game or for a recital or whatever. But the fact is management exists. You work in an organization. There are some structures that define in some ways the the limits of your life and you're going to have to be managed. And a little bit of management in order to provide parameters and and the basics of things is absolutely a good thing. But the idea that somebody believes they can get away with not being managed is also ludicrous. Look, from the company's perspective, which by definition is the perspective the manager has to take, a directive ours wishing for virtually no managerial oversight is basically a liability risk. They're saying, I don't want anybody to watch what I'm doing. I don't want you to know. You only will know what I deign to tell you when I deign to tell you it. There's no lawyer who would say, let let somebody do that. Oh, she's so good. Go ahead. Let her do that. Get her out. Get out of the way and let her do it. Because if, in fact, an individual asks for to not be managed and then makes a material mistake in an area of the company that has consumer or customer impacts, the company is now liable as a system for its failure to oversee. Now, we're not recommending one-on-ones for that reason. We're attacking the stupidity of the argument that I don't need or therefore want to be managed. And look, a direct who says, you know, I don't have one-on-ones now, and if I go to one-on-ones, that's a form of micromanagement. The difference between those two things is like if I take a spoonful of dirt out of the ground and that makes a small hole, but that second scoop of dirt is the Grand Canyon, it's just <laughs> false. You know, when, when we talk about 1% of your time being spent on one-on-ones, the idea that this is somehow an affront to your independence, to your ability to do your job fully and completely, it, it is. That's why we say it's ludicrous. Now, now, guys, you don't have to say it's ludicrous, but we want you to defend your position, your belief that this tool you're going to engage in with your directs is defensible. We don't want to give you soft defenses that make you feel like, well, I'm not sure I have the courage of my convictions. You can absolutely have the courage of your convictions. If you have a problem and you need me to talk to one of your directs, put me on the phone with him or her and I'll tell him. I got no problem with it. We'll stand by your side. So we don't mean to say that you have to go around saying you're ludicrous, you're ludicrous, okay? Who I think, by the way, was a rapper, but I don't know. We want to show you how strong how false and how dangerous the accusation of micromanagement is. Look, the direct, any direct who holds the idea in his or her head that a 30-minute meeting once a week is overbearing and overburdensome, which is what micromanagement would be, is telling you as their manager that they're either afraid of oversight, which is totally legally scary like I talked about a minute ago, or that they're above it which frankly is a level of arrogance that is going to tear apart any team. Guys, the problem today with the average manager and direct relationship is not one of too much management, but one of far too little management. Management 
practiced reasonably in virtually every organization in the world provides guidance, controls, incentives far below a level that would be intrusive or detrimental to the individual. Okay. Now, there are some systems that you may not like in your company, like how you fill out expense reports, but that doesn't make it intrusive or detrimental. There's a balance between everybody having unlimited freedom and everybody having no freedom at all. Some systems go over, some systems go under, but the idea that one system, which takes half an hour a week, gets the label of micromanagement, which everybody shies away from, is just crazy. And look, the ultimate defense of one-on-ones that aren't micro, it's not micromanagement is let's take a look at what micromanagement really is. Yeah. So tell me, tell me, what is, yeah. what is a managed tools definition of micromanagement? For those of you who are licensees who get the show notes and are building a, an archive so you can refer to our stuff anytime you want, this is one of the rare cases and maybe one of only two or three cases in our entire careers here, which we actually put something in red in the show notes. And this next paragraph is red and it is the definition, the managed tools definition of micromanaging. And it goes like this. Micromanagement is the systemic routine and repeated application of an intrusive relationship such that the manager assigns tasks, explains what to do, explains how to do it, insists on total loyalty to the entire process the manager describes, then observes the work in real time, and then corrects the work as it is being done, and in the event of divergence from standards that are that are notable divergence from standards, takes over the work and completes it him or herself. That is what a micromanager does. Yeah. So, what what percentage of of folks listening to you ca- to this cast do you think have ever been micromanaged? Ten percent? Twenty percent? Oh, oh, oh my God! No, no. Look, out of a hundred thousand listeners this week, five hundred people. Yeah. So what is that? A thousand would be one percent. So that's point five percent of all the people listening to this show. Only five hundred of them have worked for a true micromanager. Now, let's caveat that a little bit. If I work for Ozan, and this does not apply to Ozan, but in getting ready for the board meeting once a year, Ozan writes the script, double checks the script that I type for him, sends it to two other people, and checks their work as well. And then rehearses and rehearses and rehearses and then makes me rehearse opening and closing the door for him and so on because the board is pretty senior and can fire him. That is not Ozan being a micromanager. That is at various times insisting on a level of detail that might be necessary for a particular task. Micromanaging, however, is the sustained repeated routine application of that level of detail. And of course, no one would doubt based on the definition that I just read in red they would say, oh my gosh, that would, that would stifle all innovation creativity and it would, it would ruin individual initiative and so on. On the other hand, nobody minds if their boss every once in a while says, look, if you don't mind, I got to have this in 15 minutes. I'm going to stand here while you type. Well, yeah. They may not like it. They may not like it. But just because your boss stands over your shoulder once a quarter while you do something for 15 minutes, that doesn't make her a micromanager. It right. doesn't. Well, a lot of times when folks d- describe to me somebody they believe is a micromanager, oh, I know. Exactly I'm like, what you're I'm, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. huh, they're just, dude, they're just managing you. They're, they may yeah. be demanding. They're not a micromanager. Yeah. Look, um, I've had people say to me, "Well, I shouldn't have to give my boss reports." <laughs> okay. I, yeah. I want to say to them, "I shouldn't have to share the oxygen in the world with you." 
right? What makes you think that you shouldn't have to give your boss reports? One of the fundamental premises of direct and managerial relationships and communication in organizations is the the direct who does the work, the worker actually has to report on the status of the work because work that is done but the organization doesn't know is done essentially is dead, Okay. Asking for reports is not micromanaging. Expecting updates on a regular basis about a project of some important is not micromanaging. Asking coders to uh, comment on their code, to annotate their code, and then to report at any given deadline whether they achieve the goal or not. And if, in fact, they met the deadline, posting the code that meets the deadline in, in the, the database, uh, that's not micromanaging. Okay. Asking for one meeting a week is not micromanaging somebody. Spending time communicating about tasks and deliverables and deadlines and successes and failures and growth opportunities and even family, none of that is micromanaging someone in any way. That is the normal engagement, the normal pursuit of effective manager-subordinate relationship. Simple. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about what to do when you get accused of being a micromanager. I think the yeah. standard guidance, like you said earlier in the cast, is Would be to shy not address away. it. Not yeah, shy away, not address it directly. And in this case, you're suggesting that yeah. that we in fact address it pretty directly. Yeah, in fact, I had somebody write me recently. I put out a, a note and things. I think I think all of our licensees get a weekly email from me about things I'm thinking about, things I see in the business world, things that concern me, things that delight me, and so on. And I wrote the line that I was talking to a pretty senior manager recently, and I was accused by this person who has since recanted and is a good friend of the firm, and we like this person immensely, uh, accused of being chauvinistic because I referred to what clearly must be a female manager as pretty. And one of the things I wrote in my defense was, while normally I understand that people are going to disagree with me and I can't – look, if I were to – what did Lincoln say? And I'm, of course, I'm not Lincoln. But if I were to try to read, much less answer all the attacks made on me, this office might as well be closed for any other type of business, right? I can't keep up with the people who disagree with me. And that's okay. I don't mind. But I said, in this case, because what you've accused me of, chauvinism, is the mark of shame in, in the professional world um, – particularly in the academic or the governmental world, I mean, that kind of thing is in a male making a comment that's chauvinistic, a male in a position of power, is essentially an admission of a systemic bias against a gender. And it's wrong. It's evil. It's evil. It's unethical. It's unprofessional. It's like they have courts for that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. And so in that case, the standard guidance is when, if somebody calls you a, a silly little whiner, you're like, yeah, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to grace that with a response. But if they say something significant, you almost have to answer. Look, standard guidance is you don't necessarily address it. The reason for that is when you do address an accusation, you're allowing the person with whom you're disagreeing to set the agenda. Okay. There's an old joke about President Johnson, Lyndon Johnson from Texas, telling his press secretary when he was running for Congress, I think, to put out a press release saying that his opponent did something vulgar. I won't say what it was, but it was pretty vulgar, even for the 1960s. And his press secretary came back and said, yeah, but, but he didn't do that. He didn't do that. Johnson said, I, I, I know that. I just want to hear him deny it. Okay. And many Americans have seen and overseas have seen video of President Nixon disgraced President Nixon saying, I am not a crook. And look, guys, even if it's true, and frankly, we believe that you're probably not a micromanager if you're listening, even if it's true, in normal guidance, you having to deny it's true 
proves that the charge wasn't so ludicrous that you could simply ignore it. So, rather than following standard guidance, we actually have to address it head on. Why is that? Yeah, well, the reason is micromanagement is so misunderstood, people just use it as a as sort of a, a bugaboo. It's so misunderstood that once you define it for people, everyone will agree that you're not a micromanager, but you're being accused of something that's false. It's a bit like saying, probably n- nothing jumps to mind, but imagine accusing a two-year-old of bigotry. It, it's just not possible. It just it doesn't, it, it, you can't do it. They don't have the mental capabilities to have formed that kind of complex stupidity in their head. By the same token, once someone understands, everybody fears micromanagement, but I think most people's definition of micromanagement is more oversight than I care to bear. But that's not what micromanagement is. Once you define it, everybody will agree you're not a micromanager, and that means the person who's throwing the phrase around about you is going to be seen as hysterical and selfish rather than as reasonable. Okay, And look, we're not suggesting that our directs are hysterical or selfish, but then again, we're not micromanagers either. They started it. And no offense, but if you're going to call me names, don't bring a knife to a gunfight when we're talking about what is effective management. Simple. So look, here's what you say. Okay. Now, some of you will choose to change some of these words, and I completely respect that. I wouldn't, if I were your best friend and I was looking over your shoulder at work and you were going to give this speech to a, to a direct who would challenge you regarding micromanagement and one-on-ones, I would not hold you accountable for every word. Some of these words are mine. However, we want to show you the tone. We want to show you the structure, and we want you to understand how willing we would be to be direct and candid with an accusation that needs to be addressed. So here's what you say. And let's say it's just a one-on-one. You're sitting in the direct's cube, and he says, look, I don't want to do the one-on-ones. It's micromanagement. What you would say is, look, dude, I'm sorry, but that's ludicrous, okay? It's so ludicrous in part because it's patently false. And because it's false, it's really a slur on me, and so I'm going to address it, okay? One-on-ones, dude, are so far from micromanagement that to compare them to micromanagement is to show you either don't know anything about micromanagement or about one-on-ones or maybe even both. So for the record, micromanagement is the systemic and repeated and routine application of an intrusive relationship such that the manager assigns tasks, explains what to do, how to do it, insists on total loyalty to the process, observes the work real time, corrects the work as it being done, and the event of divergence from standards takes over the work and completes it himself, and then also probably, frankly, blames the direct. Now, compare that with one-on-ones. One-on-ones, on the other hand, dude, are a 30-minute meeting once a week between you and me. That's it. Light agenda, no reporting required, two to three minutes of preparation each week. Dude, if that's micromanagement, you're a serial killer. Okay? Yeah. And you say, so don't tell me that's your concern. Now, if you have another concern, that's fine, but it's ludicrous and I I reject it on its face. And unfortunately, if I've known my direct for a while, if I've known him for a while, but maybe I haven't been having one-on-ones and so I don't know him that well, I might very well say, and the fact that you would accuse me of that, knowing me, knowing my tendencies and so on, suggests to me that any other argument you might have against one-on-ones is going to be weak as well. Right. Now, I hate to even ask you this, but have you ever had to use this speech before? Yeah. like I've done it like four or five times. 
Now, I've done it four times myself as a manager, and I told an executive to do it and then watched him do it in a staff meeting when he was getting pushed back for a bunch of junior executives, and it worked. I mean, in fact, one of the executives in the room – now, let's assume this guy is a VP and he's talking to a bunch of senior directors, okay? So, senior directors have been with the company 15 years. You know, they're probably making dollars $100, $150,000, maybe even more. And there's eight or 10 of them around the room. And everybody knows who the one guy is that complained. It's micromanagement. But the, the executive decides that he's going to use the, the staff meeting in order to defend the charge, defend himself against the charge of micromanagement. And by the way, they know full well that I'm the one that's been coaching this executive who's been told he better improve his managerial skills or he's going to get his head chopped off. And they know I've told him to do this. And he, he says, I want to do it in a staff meeting. I'm like, I don't recommend it. I don't think you should subject your top two or three guys who love the idea of one-on-ones with you because you're actually pretty good at developing people. You just sometimes lose your head. I don't think it's good to subject them to that. Go tell the guy who thinks you're a micromanager he's full of crap and do that privately. But don't paint everybody else the same brush. He says, no, 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 I'm going to do it. So he does it. And at the end of it, after he goes through a pretty good rendition of what I just put up and he he had a style much like mine. And again, you could water it down a good bit, folks, and it will still come across as firm and yet fair. There was one of the directs, a somewhat diminutive person sitting like sort of on the corner of the table and leaning back a little bit so it wasn't real obvious. And this person was doing an opera clap in her in her lap, you know, just just like this, just really fast, like it's like, yay, somebody finally called the guy out that this guy's always accusing bosses of being rude and too forceful and he shouldn't do it and whining and complaining. And finally, somebody says, no, no, what you're accusing me of is just wrong and I'm just going to tell you you're wrong. And right. He didn't have any more problems with him. Call spade a spade. Yeah. Now, to be fair, guys, that may not be the first thing you say. Okay. This is one thing you can say. It depends on the direct. If you have an arrogant, loudmouth pushing back, the best thing to do is to be Jack Reacher, hit first and hit hard and hit with this. And by the way, Mike, I know that we're going to get in trouble for the analogy I'm using, but <laughs> you know, somebody's going to say I'm a violent person. It right? won't be the first time. Uh, yeah. Hey, we're, yeah, we're two, we're two ex army officers. Come on. I mean, of course, we're going to get well. Uh, Bob Runson, you better come at with me. Come at come at me with more than a ACLU card and an old photograph. Um, if, however, one of your directs, who's relatively confident and a little bit more quiet, says he thinks one on ones are micromanagement, you might use this bit last and take some of the edge out of it. You might not say ludicrous. You might say, "Look, I'm sorry, but I just got to dissuade you from the notion that one on ones are micromanagement. It's just not true." Taking out the word ludicrous and saying something's it's just not true rather than it's patently false, those are two different tones, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I just want to make sure we agree, right? Micromanagement, the way we've described it, is, in fact, by definition, unreasonable. Yeah, we, I don't folks, think anybody. Yeah. Yeah, we all agree. Micromanage, if you define it correctly, is absolutely unreasonable. Let's be absolutely clear as well that one-on-ones, they're not micromanagement, and they are not an unreasonable form of communication. Matter of fact, we say it's a necessary form of communication. Yeah. If micromanagement is by definition unreasonable, and when I describe to you one-on-ones and you say, well, that doesn't sound unreasonable, I may disagree with it, but it's not unreasonable, then by de facto, one-on-ones are not micromanagement. And basically, the reason they're not 
unreasonable is they're basically a new form of communication for the direct who hasn't had it before. And frankly, they eliminate the reason they're it's new because they eliminate several other less efficient, less effective forms of communication. It eliminates people waiting in line to see the boss because that goes way down when one on one start. It eliminates a boss having 10 three minute long conversations with with one direct in the course of a week versus one 15 minute conversation about 10 different things. Right. And the first, the first process takes 30 minutes plus time in between them. And the second one takes 15 minutes. Why wouldn't you want to do that? And you don't build up relationships nearly as fast in three minute conversations, 10 three minute conversations as you do in one 15 minute conversation. It also causes more frequent feedback. It causes more timely feedback because one of the big problems with managers is they don't give feedback in a timely way and then they talk to themselves out because it's been too long. It gives a chance for coaching. It reduces the miscommunications that happen in email. It encourages steady communications on a regular basis with a normal periodicity despite, let's say, excessively high or excessively low operational tempo. So many managers go, everything's good here until things hit the fan and then everything goes to hell in a handbasket. Well, that's because there's not systems in place to keep the team connected, to keep everybody doing what they're supposed to be doing when the stuff hits the fan. Yeah. Well, what what effect a manager out there would argue that she doesn't do the things you just talked about? You know, talk about performance, answer questions, provide feedback, assign work, praise, coaching, talk about relationships, discuss development, develop relationships, inquire about status on things. Expect status reporting, you know, talk about family, you know, work, family balance, you know, right. plan, check, work, reward. All those kind of things are things that affect a manager. Stuff you do, do. in one-on-ones, right? <laughs> right? That's what you do in one-on-ones. Yeah. Right? Would somebody seriously argue that all of that getting done at one time each week more efficiently and more regularly for the direct and definitely more efficiently for the manager as opposed to 20 conversation throughout a week, many often not accomplished? Are they suggesting that the concept of one-on-one is somehow bad or inefficient or effective? They won't. They won't. Yeah. We could ask everybody listening, would you want those things from your boss? And the answer is, oh, yes. Yes, of course I want those things, right? Yeah. Now, now hopefully, guys, we don't need to tell you, here's how we would say it's necessary and reasonable communication. But it would sound something like, look, here's what we're going to be talking about during our one-on-ones. I'm going to be talking about performance. I'm going to be answering your questions. I'm going to be providing you feedback. I'm going to be assigning you work. I'm going to be praising and providing coaching and talking about our relationship, development discussions, relationship discussions, status discussions, status reporting, uh, work-family balance, rewards, maybe punishments every once in a while. All that stuff is going to happen in one-on-one. It probably doesn't happen as much as you'd like. One-on-ones are going to make it happen more. So, This is the kind of normal and reasonable thing that managers do. And I happen to choose a format to do it called a one-on-one. Right. And it's a lot of time, right? I mean, you're spending just a, I mean, one-on-ones represents a huge amount of time for the direct. I mean, every once in a while you hear that, you're like, really? Really? I got a question the other day, like, oh, I've got 10 directs and I just don't have time. I, I mean, I simply, well, actually, of course, everybody has time. They just have crap priorities. One-on-ones can't be micromanaging if everything else in your managerial approach stays basically the same, except that you spend 30 minutes every week in the course of a week. I mean, it's just crazy. In a typical week, there are 3,000 minutes. Do the math. It's like like 1%, something like that? We're talking 1%. And if it's 1% of the week, it's 1% of their year 
as well. The idea that one one hundredth of a direct's time cannot be spent in a work-related meeting with their boss because it would be too intrusive is laughable. In fact, another L word, ludicrous. That's what it is. Ludicrous, laughable. Yeah. A new rapper called laughable. There you go. Yeah. So the last thing you do, and it's perfectly acceptable, like we, we don't like to use position power, right? I mean, we don't, you know, formal power that the, that the organization gives you. But in this case, absolutely. You have the authority. You can make somebody do it. And we'd recommend you insist that they participate in one-on-ones. It's not optional, regardless of how they feel about it. Yeah, I, I think people don't understand about too often managers don't see themselves from the eyes of direct, even though they have a good rough analogy because they can look at how they think of their boss. And if they can't imagine doing to their boss what a direct does to them, then probably what the direct is doing is just wrong. And that is why, unfortunately, guys, whether you're an anarchist in organizations or not, or totally flat organization, the fact is humankind has always been a vertically structured, not infinitely vertical, but largely structured, let's assume a roughly 10 to 1 ratio. And there's going to be verticality, and organizations give managers role power because there need to be certain controls at certain times. Not an overage of control, that would be micromanaging. Okay. And so sometimes you have to insist in order to get what you want. Now, look, there are three types of power. There's role power, what the company gives you, that you have the authority to hire people and fire people, write reviews and so on. There's relationship power, which is what you can get somebody else to do because they trust you and like you and believe in you. And then lastly, there's expertise power, how smart you are, whether or not turn to you, people turn to you for expert guidance. We know, everybody says, it's it's not even us knowing. It is a standardized fact that relationship power is the best of all three of those. It's the fastest to grow. It's the easiest to change. It is the one that provides that if you have on, on a scale of one to 10, if you had to pick which one was going to be the highest, you'd want relationship power because managers who have the highest relationship power tend to do best. Okay. But that doesn't mean we've never said that relationship power is the only way to influence. Sometimes using your role power as in, hey, guys, we got to do this because we got to do it is a legitimate motivational speech. Just that we're going to do it because we're going to do it. It's that simple. And, you know, if you always use that, if you don't have a good relationship with your directs, it's harder to make that into a motivational speech. If you have a good relationship with your directs, then you'll be able to do that. And what's the most likely way to get a good relationship with your directs? Of course, that's easy. It's <laughs> one-on-ones. Right? Develop relationship <laughs> one-on-ones, right? Remember, when you do use role power, it's always going to be more effective when it's resting on a strong foundation of a relationship. Role power is heightened by stronger relationships. Relationship power is not heightened by role power at all, but Role power is heightened by relationship power. Now, look, so I go back to the earlier point about how do you see your bosses, how do your directs see you? Would you deny your boss the right to see you for 30 minutes once a week? Ask yourself what you would have to think about your boss or your workplace that you would be willing to accuse her of a managerial sin to avoid 30 minutes in her office. Think about it. Your boss says he has a new way of doing budgeting better and faster. You're going to tell him no? He says, we're changing expense reporting. We're going to have to learn a new way, but it'll be worth it. You're going to go over his head, go to HR, go to finance. 
company has a new budget process, a new annual review, a new vacation policy, a new expense reporting software, new mobile phone contracts, new vendor for shipping. You're going to ignore the company policies? No, you're not. Well, don't forget this, guys. To your directs, you are the company. So after convincing everyone that one-on-ones are not micromanagement and after convincing people that it's reasonable and effective, you can also say, I hear your input and nevertheless, I've decided to move forward. I look forward to starting the process and those of you who have questions, we'll get them answered in the first month we're doing them. There you go. That's it. And it works. Yeah, it works like a charm. One-on-ones aren't micromanagement. Address the negative. Tell them it's, what we're talking about is necessary and reasonable. It's about communication, which is an easy thing to justify. And we're only talking about 1%. And no, no, there's no activity that takes 1% of anybody's time that can be legitimately called micromanagement. And then at the end, you just say, and we're going to do it. One-on-ones aren't micromanaging. When you get that kind of pushback, folks, smile the smile of the just victor because you're going to win. And you're going to win easily because you're right and they're wrong. And in fact, in this case, Although there are other reasons to not like one-on-ones if you're direct, they're really, really, really wrong when they say one-on-ones are micromanaging. How wrong? Really, really. <laughs> <laughs> super really. <laughs> Double super secret probation really wrong. Yeah, they are. All right, my friend. <laughs> Thank right. you. Take care, buddy. Bye. Thanks, everyone. That's it. We'll see you next week. In the meantime, check out the discussion forums www.manager-tools.com forward slash forums. We'll see you there.